Well, hey there, Heritage. Want to welcome you all across the network. It is great to be here. I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to be here because I got to tell you, there is, a, there is some illness ripping through the ministry team and the Heritage family, and we have leaders dropping like flies all across the whole thing. In fact, just this week, Steve Abel, campus pastor right here at Rock Island, tapped out with walking pneumonia late this week, which is why he's not here preaching as scheduled as I am. <laughs> In fact, we also have Jeremiah. Pastor Jeremiah has been faithfully serving at our Beat and Nueva campus. He stepped back to get healthy. And Pastor Beth, my wife, is preaching there this weekend, which is all fine and good. Except now this stuff is hitting the Kossin household. Yeah, so she and I are teetering. Like we got this like fever thing we're battling and like some dizziness. And so I might end up sitting down a little bit and we teach today. And, and listen, with, with leaders down and out for the count and a few leaders trying to hang on and a number trying to recover, it's still going to be a great day. It's going to be great. It'll at least be fun if it's not interesting. If not interesting, so I appreciate your prayers, covet your prayers. Uh, I'm going to keep my distance, and uh, again, I'm, I'm probably going to sit a bit, just because I think I'm going to need to. But as we uh, wrap up our Rites of Spring series, we're, we're, we're doing that this weekend with one more sacred, solemn act of the church, child dedication. Now, before you think this conversation has no relevance for you, I want to assure you it absolutely does. Absolutely does. Don't check out. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't check out. Go ahead, tell them, don't check out. Say to them, this conversation is for all of us. Say, this conversation is for all of us. All of us. Now, it's not just for those who have kids or grandkids. It's not just for parents. Certainly those individuals, it's important to have this conversation. But it's, it's just as important for anyone and everyone who follows Jesus. So don't check out. I want to invite you to lean in, because whether you have kids or not, whether you're here to see a child dedicated or not, this conversation is for all of us. It's for all of us. It's a reminder, but it's also an invitation, an invitation to a next level relationship with God. Next level relationship with God, because for thousands of years, men and women who have followed Jesus very intentionally engaged in sacred moments. They engaged in solemn moments that simultaneously recognized God's favor, his previous favor, while inviting more favor. These sacred solemn acts anchored the church in what had been or what was, but also positioned them to live into what can be. As they engaged these sacred solemn acts together, they did it in a corporate context. It has relevance for us even today. In fact, these rites that we're looking at, the definition we're using in rites of spring is simply the idea of a formal ceremonial act, a, a sacred or solemn practice that we, you and I, can benefit from today. You and I can benefit from this. So once again, our message today may feel a little more academic, maybe a little more instructional, but I assure you it's highly practical and invitational. It's an invitation to next level relationship with God. In fact, over the last three weeks, the previous three weeks, we've unpacked three different rites of the church. Different rites of spring, we're calling them. We've looked at what they are, why they're important, and we've engaged specifically in them. We've done this because of their importance in the history of the church, but also the, our ability to move forward in relationship with God. So these rites of springs we're talking about have an individual expression, but they also have a communal one. 
There's an individual context and application for everything we've been talking about, but there is also a corporate context that it involves doing them together. We're called to do these things together. And what these rites of the church, these rites of spring involve, they, they help us understand how to lean into God more fully and more deeply. In, in fact, it, they help illuminate a truth that Solomon once wrote about. And Solomon was the son of David. He ruled over Israel. He was the wisest man ever. He, he wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Look, in these words, words we find a very simple but deeply profound truth. That we're better together. You and I are better together. We're created to do life together. We're designed to pursue God together. And each of the rites of springs that we've looked at point to that reality, that we are better together. So as we actually started our conversation, we lean into looking at communion in week one and why it's such an important sacrament of the church. In week two, we dove into baptism, literally dove into baptism, because it is a next step of obedience that moves us in our journey towards wholeness in Jesus. And then last week, we, we looked at and had this powerful experience around confession. And all of these conversations are available online if you missed any of them. But as I already said, we're leaning into the final landing spot in this series, looking at one more rite of spring, and that is child dedication. Again, a conversation that is for all of us. It's relevant for anyone who follows Jesus or wants to experience God in a next level relationship. We're looking at what it is, why it's important, and we're creating space to actually engage and participate in it. Now, I mentioned when we did the baptism conversation that baptism weekends are one of my favorite weekends in the church. But child dedication weekends rank right up there, not far behind. Because when we talk about child dedication, we're actually engaging specifically in a three strand cord dynamic. When we engage in child dedication, we're actually engaging families we're engaging the church community, and we're engaging God. You don't have to write this now in the block, but later we'll come back to it. It is a cord of three strands, if you would. And child dedication in and of itself kind of anchors us in a journey that we're all supposed to be walking. It is a cord of three strands that's activated in this rite of the church, this sacred, solemn act of the church. Now, before we jump down into that, though, it's important that we understand that each of these rites of spring all reflect and reveal to us a very important reality. They illustrate the reality that we must let go in order to lay hold. That we must let go in order to lay hold. It's a simple reality that we have to release in order to grab. It's true in every expression of our spiritual journey with God, including the rites of spring we've been looking at. We must let go in order to lay hold. Try this with me. I want you to invite everybody across the network. I want you to just put your, clasp your hands together, however comfortable it is. Just grab your, hold your hands, clasp them together any way you want. Hold them tightly. You got it? Okay, now holding them tightly, keeping them held tightly, I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you. Or pick up your Bible. Or grab your note guide without letting go. Without letting go, keeping them grasped tightly, 
grab a hold of your Bible, grab a hold of the note guide, or grab a hold of the hand of the next to you. You can't do it, right? I mean, you may be able to cheat a little bit, let go a little bit, grab a hold of some paper, but you can't do it fully. We can only do it in part because you have to let go in order to lay hold. Okay, you can stop holding your hands or grabbing the hands of the person next to you unless it's romantic. Then you can go ahead and continue to do it. Listen, in order to lay hold, we have to let go. And the rites of spring have been looking at all position us to understand that we need to let go. When we're talking about communion, we're talking about baptism, we're talking about confession, and we're talking about child dedication, they all highlight the reality that in order to lay hold, we have to let go. We have to. We must let go in order to lay hold. Now, as I said, in reality, the child dedication process reflects a journey we should all be on. Child dedication actually points to what we should all be doing, where we offer back to God what he gives us. It's letting go to lay hold. It's letting go of time, talent, treasure to lay hold. It's letting go of relationships to lay hold of more with God and in God, in our own lives, in the lives of our family members, and as well as the next generation. As we do this together, we let go in order to lay hold. We do it together because we're better together. Because in reality, we're positioned to not be quickly broken together, to not be overcome together, whatever we face in life, not to be overcome. So let's, let's dig in a bit, and I want to look today at four key things, or, or four components of each of the rites of spring. I want to give you the four right now up front. They're simply this. They're community, consecration, commitment, and context. These four things are reflected in each of the rites of spring. They're relevant, they're specific, and they're significant. Community, consecration, commitment, and context. And I want to walk down through of them because, because when we're talking about the rites of spring, they engage community because we do them together. They, they involve consecration, which is an, an expression of submission. There, there's an expression of commitment in the rites of springs as there's a promise connected to it, but they also provide a context, and it's a context of flourishing. So let's look at the first one. Let's actually look at community. Because no matter who you are, you and I, we are more together. This is a fill-in if you want to use your note guide. We are more together. We are more with others. We're better together. We already saw what Solomon said about it, that two are better than one. We are more together. But hear me, that's true even though proximity to people comes with complexity. Proximity to people comes with complexity. We know this. People hurt us. They fail us. They, they make poor decisions. There is complexity when we are in proximity to people. But we're inherently wired for community. We are more together. In all of its beauty and complexity, we're wired for community. Stronger together as we do life together. Partly because we're able to, to really live out the words we find in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We can only do this in the context of community, but proximity to people always brings with it complexity. It's not easy. Let me tell you, it's worth it. It's always worth it because we are more together. And child dedication has a communal dynamic. At its core, it has a community action where we engage family, 
we engage the church, and we mobilize God. There is a communal, communal component to what we're doing in child dedication. Now, I'm pretty sure we've all heard the statement that it takes a village to raise a child. Who's ever heard that statement or ever said it? Raise your hand up high. Come on. There you go. Yeah, it takes a village to raise a child. It's true. It helps to have others around us helping us live into this because we are more together. And child dedication engages a community of support. We're not alone in the child-rearing task when we engage in the child dedication reality. It's communal. We, We are more together Community is part of what we're talking about. Now, the second component that I identified is consecration. And consecration allows us to live as a people who are set apart. We are to live set apart. Not separate, but set apart. We are created by God for God. No matter who you are, whether you know this or not, understand it or not, like it or not, you are created by God for God. His purposes. And Jesus provides for us an example for how to live out of that reality, but not just providing an example, he provides the path. He provides the way by which we can live into that. We are to live set apart. And consecration is how we do that. See, the definition of consecration is this, to regard or set apart or dedicate, to devote or dedicate to some purpose. That is consecration. And that is why we do child dedication, to set apart, to dedicate for a purpose. And that definition captures how every follower of Jesus is to live. In this world, but not of it. Set apart, not separate, set apart, consecrated. Now, I want you to understand something that's pretty important about child dedication. Child dedication is not a means of salvation. It's not a means of being reconciled to God and having the promise of eternal life. Child dedication is a declaration of consecration. It's a space where parents and grandparents, those raising children, declare a commitment of consecration. It's not a promise of eternal life, but a promise of consecration. It comes out of a posture of submission where we request of God, we request that he engage in a journey alongside of us as we do our part. It is a declaration of consecration. As we do our part as fellow villagers with, with commitment and dedication to God for his purpose in our lives and those around us, specifically and especially with our kids, with our children. Now there is a fairly helpful verse and even fairly familiar verse that fits into this. It comes out of the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 22, 6, and it says this, start children off on the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. Have you heard that before? Fairly common, familiar passage for many. If you've not heard it before, that that sounds kind of cool. It's actually helpful. It's even encouraging. But hear me, it is not a guarantee That if we do our part, our kids will do theirs. See, some have taken this passage to be a promise when it is not. It's not a promise, it's a principle. It's not pointing to a promise, it's pointing to a principle. And it would be a misapplication to say that if we raise our kids a certain way, that they will always end up a certain way. That's not the case. Because simply everyone gets to choose. Everyone gets to choose. We all make our own decisions. 
Now, it doesn't mean we don't want a good choice for our kids. We, and that doesn't mean we want something less out of this. The reality is they just get to choose. Yet out of our love for them, we want them to choose well. So we should train them. We should teach them. We should point them to the things of God. That actually positions them with the best chance of choosing well. But they still get to choose. We all get to choose. And Proverbs 22.6 is not offering a promise, but a principle. A principle where consecration, where community matters. And it starts with us consecrating ourselves to God and being good examples for those around us as we live set apart, not separate, but set apart. Now, the third component is commitment. And we all know that raising kids, walking through this life, doing life, navigating the challenges of life all requires commitment. But there is a difference between making a contribution and making a commitment. They're not the same thing. And if we follow Jesus, if we want to see the next generation walk with God, it will require a commitment. In fact, we are to be all in. It's a high level expression of commitment to be all in, fully surrendered, fully committed, because following Jesus is not a part-time gig. It's not, following Jesus is not about coming to him only when we need something. If our relationship with God or with Jesus is all about coming to him when we need something, then we're really actually making the relationship about us. And we're treating him like a commodity, like a resource more than the reality of being in a relationship with him. See, we are to be all in and that requires commitment. There's a difference between making a contribution and making a commitment. It reminds me of a, a story I once heard, and, and maybe you've heard this before, but it, it's an oldie and a goodie, and I just want to read it to you. See, there was a chicken, a cow, and a pig that lived on a farm. The, the farmer was very good to them, and, and they all wanted to do something good for him. So one day the chicken approached the cow and the pig and said, I have a great idea for something we can do for the farmer. Would you like to help? The chicken knew how much the, the farmer enjoyed a healthy breakfast, and intrigued by the proposition, the cow and the pig responded, of course, what do you propose? Now the chicken also knew the farmer didn't have time to make a healthy breakfast, but said, I think the farmer would be very happy if we made him a breakfast. The pig and the cow thought about this, and while they weren't as close to the farmer as the chicken, they too knew the farmer's love for a good breakfast. We'd be happy to help you make breakfast for the farmer. What do you suggest we make? Well, the chicken, knowing she had very little to offer, suggested that I, I can provide some eggs. The cow, understanding that, that she had, she said, I, I could provide some milk. And then they both looked at the pig and asked, are you up for providing some ham? <laughs> maybe you've heard this before, maybe not. But it is a very helpful illustration because in the scenario, the chicken and the cow were making a contribution. But the pig was being asked to make a commitment. See, there is a difference between making a contribution and making a commitment. And we are called to live out our lives in relationship with God, making a commitment, not simply a contribution. We're to live all in, not half in. But I think too many people only want to contribute to God and avoid the real sacrificial dynamics he calls us to. Real commitment that, that acknowledges him as the number one priority where we let go to lay hold. 
God wants us not to make contributions. He wants us to make commitments, sacrificial commitments. Now, I want to be clear. I am not encouraging you by the story to go out and harm yourself in any way. I'm encouraging you to consider self-sacrifice. To die to self so you can live in Christ, in Jesus, with real commitment. Not just nominal or limited contribution, but all-in commitment. We're, we're to live all-in. And child dedication acknowledges that reality. Now, the fourth component I identified for you was context. And in this space, as we talk about this, we have an opportunity to create a context for flourishing. When we talk about child dedication, when we lean into the rites of spring, we're creating a context for flourishing. For flourishing for us and flourishing for others. For God to do his work, for God to work and move. We, all of us, we were all kids at one point, and, and maybe you had someone along the way creating a healthy context for you. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. If you did, you found yourself positioned to choose well in that context of flourishing, to be able to live into the fullness of life that Jesus makes available to us, to live into that abundance, to, to live into flourishing. That's a blessing that you have had. But the reality is whether you've had that or not, it is actually God who sets us free. It is God who heals and it is God who transforms. It's not how well we follow rules or how well we perform in certain tasks. Just check out the words of Paul in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So whether you're parenting or grandparenting, whether you're leaning into community as the church, it is God, the, he is the one who makes things grow. Verse eight, the, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. See, as followers of Jesus, we're actually positioned to thrive and not just survive. We're positioned to live into flourishing, but context matters. Context either helps or it hurts. It either facilitates flourishing or impedes flourishing. We're to create a context for flourishing. Now, if we go back to a conversation we started, we were digging into baptism a little bit. Uh, we talked about the reality that all of us start lost. We all start in our sin and in our brokenness. We can actually end up into a place where we are found. And after we're found, we can live into a journey of being whole or into wholeness. We start lost, we can be found, and we can be made whole. We start stuck in sin, but when we find and encounter Jesus and we receive him as Savior, well, now we're saved. And then we're positioned out of him being savior to live into his lordship and to be made whole. We actually start spiritually dead and he makes us spiritually alive. This is the beautiful, wonderful thing about who Jesus is and the life he calls us to. This is available for everyone when we choose him. Now, once we choose him, now we're positioned to step into communion, to, to partake of communion. We're also positioned to, to step into the waters of baptism and to walk a journey of confession. See, 
Communion is something that we do in an ongoing basis. We're, we do it to remember. Confession is something we continue in an ongoing basis. It, it's making sure we're staying rightly related before God, that we're pursuing holiness before him so we can continue to be positioned to confess the things we shouldn't have done, the stuff that gets in the way. But when we talk about baptism, this is something we, we sh- we're supposed to do. It's a next step of obedience, but we do it once. And, and if you're someone who has found relationship in Jesus, he's, he's your savior, you're working out the lordship component, but you've not yet been baptized, I want to encourage you to work towards taking that next step of obedience. It is the public declaration of that inward commitment. And once we step into relationship with Jesus, we, we remember his sacrifice, we declare our commitment, and we walk in a posture of holiness before him. All of these, these three things are about letting go in order to lay hold. We let go in each of those to lay hold. But hear me, when it comes to dedication, child dedication, it's a little bit different. See, child dedication is not required to walk this journey. It's helpful. It creates a context of flourishing. Child dedication is not salvation. Child dedication comes before the decision to follow. It's actually a commitment of parents and grandparents to say, I'm leaning toward a commitment. I'm creating context. I'm creating community. I'm, I'm leaning into consecration because ultimately I want to see my child walk in fullness and wholeness with Jesus. One of the things about dedication, it's not salvation, but it creates context for flourishing because it mobilizes the family. It actually mobilizes the church family, the church community to engage, and it even mobilizes God. A cord of three strands, not quickly broken. When when we step into child dedication, we're creating space for prayer and partnership among family and among church. We're actually creating a, a, a collaborative experience to let go in order to lay hold. And child dedication is, is an anchor for, for us in, in a journey that we're all supposed to walk. And if you're someone who had experience and you were dedicated as a child and you now walk over here, celebrate that. If you're a child who didn't experience this, but you can still step into this, celebrate that you can walk into this. This is a commitment for those who are responsible for leading and, and parenting children to be able to anchor that journey with community, with, with commitment, with context, with consecration, so that that child can let go in order to lay hold. This is, this is an incredibly important reality for anyone to understand where this thing plays out. We were all kids at one point. Some of us still act like kids sometimes. But this journey of child dedication is, is a sacred, solemn thing that invites community and context and consecration and commitment. And if you were someone where you grew up in a family where people created those things for you, that's wonderful because you were positioned to choose well, positioned to to live into flourishing without a whole lot of obstacles or maybe not as many obstacles as there could have been. But whether you had that or not, everyone still gets to choose. We all have a choice and context matters. It either helps or it hurts. So creating a context that allows flourishing is incredibly important. So what? What do we do out of this conversation? Well, child dedication anchors a journey we're all supposed to walk. 
It points to a journey we're supposed to walk. It reflects what we should all be doing. Uh, engaging in community, engaging in commitment, engaging in consecration, and engaging in a context that leads to flourishing. It's an expression of letting go in order to lay hold. It's available to everyone because it's a space where we offer back to God what he's already given. And we acknowledge his authority, we acknowledge his presence. There's, there is so much more when we lean into community and consecration and commitment and a context of flourishing. And let me say this, if, if you're a parent or grandparent who didn't do this, who didn't engage the child dedication thing, I don't want you to worry. Instead, I want you to offer all that you have to him now. To step in offering your children even now. If, if you missed doing this for your kids, it's okay. But pray for them now. Ask God to move in their lives now. Create community and context and, and, and commitment and consecration that invites them into the relationship we're all supposed to be walking. Do it for them now. And if your kids are still young, consider leaning into the journey and process of getting ready to, to do what the parents we're gonna see across our network today actually do. Lean in to that journey of letting go in order to lay hold. You know, we're in a Lenten journey right now leading into Easter. This is actually a season of letting go to lay hold. Some of you may have already done that, but I wanna encourage all of us to find something in our lives that we let go of in order to lay hold of Jesus. It could be food item, it could be electronics, it could be something of importance in your life that you're willing to let go of in order to lay hold of him, to let go and say, Jesus, you're more important than that thing. And I wanna lean into commitment and I wanna lean into consecration. I wanna experience community and I wanna experience a context of flourishing as I let go to lay hold. Be willing to take that step even today because what that does, it actually positions us into a fifth component that's reflected in each of the rites of spring and that is the reality of Christ. We can talk about community and consecration, commitment and context, but none of that matters without Christ. It all starts to fall apart and break down. The, the, the rest of it is less significant without Christ. And child dedication acknowledges him. Child dedication acknowledges his authority and his priority in our lives as, as parents and grandparents, but also the lives of the children we have influence over and alongside. It, it acknowledges the authority and priority of Jesus in our lives as a church family as well, as the people of God. It's important, and that's why Paul would write in, in the book of Colossians, he said this, let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, whether parenting or grandparenting, teaching, caring or providing, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So with that understanding, my friends, understanding the what and the why of child dedication, we're actually going to come alongside heritage family members around our network to engage 
and participate in child dedication. This is an awesome moment where a number of our families will come before taking the next step of establishing community, establishing commitment, consecration, and intentionally building a context of flourishing for their kids, for grandkids to live into wholeness. And if you don't have kids today, you don't have kids getting dedicated today, I encourage you to still lean in. If you have some kids, you're trying to figure out what to do, process where God's calling you to step in this conversation. Because what these families are doing is they're coming before us, letting go in order to lay hold. They're doing it as families, but they're doing it alongside us, the church. And we're all doing it coming before God the Father, asking Him to move and to facilitate the letting go in order to lay hold. It's stinking awesome. I love these weekends because it's significant individually and corporately. And God works and moves and responds. So I want to encourage you, as you see families come before you at your campus location, to consider writing down the names and ways God's laying it on your heart to pray for those families. There's a spot in your note guide to be able to do that. But to use these next few moments to, to, to not only celebrate and affirm, but to come alongside because we're leaning into community, we're leaning into consecration, we're leaning into commitment, and we're creating a space for flourishing, a space where we let go in order to lay hold. This thing of child dedication anchors a journey that we're all supposed to walk. And wherever you find yourself today, consider taking your next step, especially if it means stepping into life and relationship with God through Jesus for the very first time. This is where it all starts. So I wanna invite you to pray with me as we step into these next few moments as a church family. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for your great love. I thank you, Lord, that you create a context of flourishing for each one of us, but then you also invite us to live in proximity to others in all of its complexity for community, you invite us to lean in consecration of dedication, commitment, and surrender. And you invite us to live out an all-in commitment, not just a contribution. So, so Jesus, I, I pray in these next few moments for each of the families and for us as a church family that you would move among us as we celebrate, as we give back to you what's yours, as we let go in order to lay hold. I pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Amen.